It's filmsy severance. We're going to do a deep dive on the very popular Apple TV television show from 2022, Severance. This is for folks that have seen it, loved it, and want to hear some people that really loved it talk about it. Can't wait to hear what Landon, Rylan, and Jacob have to say. Good evening, guys. Glad to be on here with you. Excited to talk about Severance. Hey, I'm excited. Jacob's muted. I'm not muted. Well, you like immediately unmuted as soon as I said that, Jacob. I know how to work a podcast. (laughs) Well, I don't. (laughs) glad to be here okay so first things first guys this is clearly an entry into weird as it sounds the workplace (laughs) television culture and it's such an interesting addition to that i'll say i think that this weirdly is heavily influenced by office space it reminds me of like devs the show that you can watch on hulu that is really weird and spacey but it's like that meets office space i don't like to compare it to stuff but i I have to start with that because I, i think you watch it and it just seems so kind of meta and everything but when you think about it it is a commentary for sure about work-life balance Rowan. yeah and actually ben stiller talks a little bit in some interviews about show the office being an inspiration in some ways for for this show and we know that the show the office was i pretty sure inspired by office space as you said and, and i think it's the first entry i've ever watched in the office culture slash sci-fi genre i'm not sure what that genre is called right now but i can't really think of another one uh, <laughs> except for maybe Avenue 5 on HBO, which it's got some really good highlights. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. It just didn't hit it exactly right for me. Uh, It's a new one from from last year, too. Back to the show at hand. I think that Severance, I mean, you know, we went over our uh, show list a couple of weeks ago. We talked about all our favorites, and Severance was consistently at the top of everyone's list because I think for a number of reasons. It's relatable to everyone. Uh, we all work. Most of us work at something that's similar to some kind of office uh, school. You know, you got offices uh, at, at where you work, Spies. I mean, everybody does this, right? At the same time, it's just so weird and out there because of the context of the office that they're working in. So it was it had that just the right mix of weird sci-fi kind of out there stuff and really familiar tropes of, of things that you would just see every day in the office. Um, and I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, the, the show's main point, what it really gets at it is what it's like to have a healthy work-life balance, or, or in this case, maybe a very unhealthy work-life balance. And I think in that way, it was really prophetic because this was written, all this was written in like 2018 or pre-2018. Um, and it took him some a few years to get this show uh, off the ground and on Apple TV, of course, because it's one of those original shows. It's not based on anything previously. It, in fact, it started out for the writer, Dan, as just a kind of a, an example example uh, script that he sent in just to show, hey, here's some examples of my writing. It wasn't even like a fleshed out thing yet. And Ben Stiller really liked it and wanted to make it. And so so it took him a while to get it off the ground. And it's prophetic in the sense that after COVID, everyone is kind of wondering what this work-life balance looks like because we're working at home. Work can easily bleed into like late hours of the night. You're here all the time and you're kind of in this place that's the show kind of shows of like office hell. You're just there. You feel like you can never get out. For some people, they love that. They love staying at home and maybe they have good boundaries. I think for other people, this show is more prophetic in that like, does work ever stop? I don't know. What do you think about that? When we all were at home working, I remember, I mean, I just did a lot more laundry and stuff. I'm not that hard <laughs> of a worker, but I remember a few of my friends that kind of had high level jobs. I was, they were like, 
exactly what you said. They're like, no, this is tougher. I just work all the time now. Now they just have me and they know they can reach me all the time. It kind of felt like that idea, the innies, as it were, they only experience work. They don't sleep and they're on that elevator. And next thing you know, they're back up and it's just like constant. So it's a metaphor for, and I've had roles and jobs where I feel like I constantly work. Like if you have work late nights or you do something, it's like you feel like your whole life is work. And I think that is the main theme. of. They say that part of you is there, but really it's all of you. And I really like that unique theme. You said something, Rylan, earlier about how most every friend that we have, this is their favorite show of last year. Landon, were you surprised at a show this weird and it took chances in a good way? I mean, I know we all like weird stuff, but just the decor and everything they did and the subtle humor and the dry humor, were you surprised that a show this weird had the mainstream appeal that it did? I don't think so. I mean, it's amazingly well acted. The main four... MDR people are all amazing actors in their own way. There's enough mystery box elements to where there's so much weird stuff going on that you want to know more. That's drip-fed to you right at the right pace. I always liken this show to a vibe because I'm not as high on it as everyone on the previous episode was. But it's really fun to put it down, just immerse yourself in this weird office space that exists in an undefined, like, intangible way. And just see these people slowly figuring out these mysteries and slowly finding their humanity and independence because I'm sure this was shot during COVID. This is one of the thing this is one of the products that did not suffer from COVID because the isolation, the wide open spaces, just emptiness of it all. COVID, I mean you don't have to worry about that. Like other shows where like they're out in the city and it's crowded and the streets are empty because of COVID, you can obviously tell COVID messed up their scheduling. But with this, I mean, every shot is either in the office building in these real like distractingly wide open and empty cubicles and long hallways, or it's in people's homes. And that adds to the intrigue because I'm sure as we'll get into just the world of Severance, both for the technology of Severance existing and the specific world where they all live in this town where Lumen controls everything is so bizarre because the technology is all over the place. I mean, we don't really understand. We don't see the outside world. We don't see anything. And we have no idea of the physical relations to each other. Like in the office building, we I don't know where anything is. They're in one spot. I don't know how close they are to one spot or the other. They have maps, but they're so complicated, and the hallways are all the same that it's impossible to tell. Then outside, the only thing there is, like, there's the office building and Mark's home, and that's pretty much it. And then the baby home they go to, it's somewhere on the edge. And just that lack of knowing where you are helps immerse yourself in the characters because, I mean, they know where they are as far as, like, where they live. But obviously so much of them being severed and the other side of themselves, they don't know that. And they're just kind of going by the feel of it just like we are. I think this coming out during, or I guess at the tail end of the pandemic, is is a really interesting feature of the show because I think it kind of hold held up a mirror to society about how you know why do we do the things that we do every day? And when people were forced to bring their work home, there was no separation. That barrier that we put up between work and life for two years for a lot of people was gone. And this show, you know, pauses the question: what What if you could completely separate your work life and your personal life and i thought that was a very interesting question i it, it in my own personal work i try really hard to do that i'm a school teacher and i don't i don't bring work at home uh, at all 
I don't bring any work home. Um, that's a rule I've had for several years now. And it's helped me to be fairly healthy mentally and emotionally for people that have to work at home now because their offices have shut or for whatever reason. That can be pretty difficult, I think. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot in our economic culture, a lot of people shifting jobs and you know, the labor shortage is, is, is a big deal and the labor force is really tight because people are asking this questions of, why am I doing this? If I don't love what I'm doing, why am I doing it? And these characters in this show begin to discover that as they go through the course of these eight or nine episodes. It's ironic that you would, for some people, you would think working from home will give you more time at home and less of a commute, obviously. But the irony is it can take away from your work-life balance because you can't, if you can't draw that line effectively, and you can't draw that boundary. You talked about how people can slip into being basically, you know, cross that line or become on the road to being a workaholic, right? To feel this responsibility all the time. This show is about that. And I think it explores why people do it. Some people do it because that's the expectation, right? And these folks, they don't have have a choice, right? They just find themselves there. That partition of that they are of the Audi's brain, they, they don't get any free will. That's what this is about, that attempted uh, liberation, right, that Heli tries. What about Mark, though? Mark is really interesting because some people throw themselves at work because they're avoiding pain, right? And so I really think it is a message uh, to folks that, and I think there are corporations that uh, maybe leverage that, right? and give folks an identity. Mark seems to me to be an alcoholic. And I think people that have a tendency to do that will throw themselves at things to make themselves feel better. He openly says that he's trying to escape. He just wanted eight hours and I think about have the pain of, of, of his wife's passing. It's really horrible. How many people in real life do that? Throw themselves at something that they think is going to distract them from it or uh, make them, you know, feel a sense of belonging or purpose? Did that stand out to any of the three of you, Mark's story and that pain and how very, very real that is for probably, we all know people that, that, that kind of fall into that trap. One of the ways I view work as a way to provide for my family. In a sense, that gives my work meaning. I mean, I love what I do. I love being a teacher. I'm fortunate in that respect. But I also know that I need to support my wife and kids. And so Mark, that aspect of his life is gone. His tether to connection and love and, you know, providing a sense of stability for his world uh, is gone. I think the first scene we see with Mark, he's weeping in his car before he goes into work. That, for me, set the tone for his character throughout the whole series. And that this is a guy who whose meaning for life is gone. He is almost afraid now, because of his grief, to confront those questions. So instead of confronting those questions and asking himself, why does he do these things? What's the meaning of it all? He wants to numb himself with work. And like you said, Spies, people do that different ways in life, whether it's through alcohol or, you know, it, it fill in the blank. People right. want sometimes to numb their feelings with relationships or whatever. And right. it, it all often is self-destructive. Well, oh, it, it is. And I, and I think we see that. And I think people don't always think of work because especially in our culture, in our country, there's a lot of nobility to work. Oh, he works hard. She works hard. But I, I wonder if how much of the message is, you know, a lot of everyday corporations or corporate cultures want you to 
violate that balance and they're okay with it. Lane and I were at a dinner party last night with a couple we're good friends with. The wife, she works in, in a multinational corporation we all know about and she works from home and they have these expectations. Her and a couple of colleagues are there. There's an unset expectation. We want you to work 60 hours a week. We want this or that. And they feel like they in ways live severance. I think it's an interesting character study and some people think it's uh, like a direct allegory to I think the expectation of some, some of our bigger tech companies that exist now and have you know hundreds of thousands of of employees that that's a little scary we know it's not literally they're not putting them in in bad decor and giving them waffle parties but i know in my foray into corporate life that cheesy stuff was they took it seriously in management with a straight face we'll do this party and you can win these points and all this stuff and i love dylan's quote who's probably my favorite character in this show i don't want a, a coffee koozie i want to see my kid be born that's saying like they can't offer us anything. You know, they can't offer us anything that touches the most important things in life. Uh, let's talk about how fun and funny this show is and how dry and right is. I really enjoy that part. Everybody talks about the waffle parties and, and all that stuff and the finger traps and all that stuff. What was some of the more funny stuff? I know Rylan, for me, I thought of you. I really, really, really thought they did a great job casting someone I had never seen in anything before, but Milchek is so good. And weirdly kind of reminds me of you. Like you can be straight laced and then you can just kind of get loose. And when he starts <laughs> dancing around everyone, I don't know why I thought of you, but he's just so <laughs> funny. And what that guy had to do and kind of go through. And really the people that are in quote, quote unquote management on the other side, there are very few of them because the, the trust issues, right? Like I hate it when like you're watching a movie and there's like some network of like terrorists and there's like hundreds of them. And it's like, they couldn't trust all these people. They couldn't pay all these people. It's like, there's a very small crew and that comes back to bite them as we know. Milchek is really important. And it's weird to me. Like he does heli surgery, right? They're going to be jack of all trades. I think Milchek is a really important character in this and he kind of makes it super funny for me. Uh, he's the straight guy mostly. Rylan, I have to mention that when it's so in episode two, it's so uh, subtle, but like when they do the surgery and she's talking and you can see her x-ray moving, <laughs> like her <laughs> mouth moving on the x-ray. That's my probably favorite thing what were the funniest parts of this we'll start with you Rowan. well the first thing i wish i could dance like milchek i really liked that character because he was straight laced and he you seem he seemed like to be the tough you know he's the guy that's gonna enforce order and stuff but ultimately he cares about the people that are in there whether or not he even knows why he's there or anything else he, he has a job he's trying I'm to enforce sure it but he cares about it i'm pretty sure he's not severed because irving says he isn't no and yeah i couldn't remember i can tell it's like all the management and like the people in power that are kind of like their jailers they all kind of know what's going on and to yeah. me that gives Milchick a different approach because he's not like he's not like the guy that has to lay down the firm hand sometimes he's that two-faced manager authority figure that acts like your friend but end of the day he's only loyal to the corporation and whoever his boss is and his warm demeanor and his kindness only goes so far as you will buy his because like we see, because when Irving calls him a smug, which is my favorite scene in the whole show, like he's not, he's not like, oh Irving, you're you're you got it all wrong. Like I'm your bro. He's like he gets like pissed off and gets really mad, and he stops acting like he stops acting like he's like their friendly manager, and that's why like Milchik and Natalie, who's like the board spokesman, are like the two characters that are like the most hateable when they're on screen just because they have that corporate fakeness to them because Cobell is that grouchy 
mean old lady boss where it's like she's weird and she does some bad things and it's easy to hate her because she's working against Mark and all that. But it's in a way it's more palpable because she's very upfront about it. She's like that mean grouchy boss that's just like do your work get me results and then the security guy who gets his head bashed in very like one note like his whole thing is just like he's a big physical guy just like he shows up and he's taking up the space and he just pushes people around they know like when he shows up you messed up and you're in trouble but he's not like oh i'm really sorry i'm having to put you in the break room for eight hours just do better and it won't happen again he's just like in the break room there you go makes milchick so good is that fake corporate niceness that we gradually see break down <laughs> yeah and you know i may have misread it a little bit and it's been a while like we said since we've seen this but i wonder if some of those characters like milchick will eventually like i think he sees the people that work for him not as people best maybe children yeah but at worst animals and i think maybe eventually he is starts to come around and, and realize, well, these are people. And that's one of my main questions about this show. And it's something I, w- I love to think about and talk about. Are these different people than the Audis? Are the Innies different people than the Audis? Or are they just the same person in a different situation without the memories? Does that constitute being a different person? I mean, there's so many existential questions about this right. show that just like melt my brain. Well, I would say if you look at Helly, she's functionally a different person because obviously at the very end we know that her real self is like pure evil to her inner self. And that's one of the re- one of the things I'm looking forward to when we talk about future seasons is how that's going to work because I think at least for season two, Helena is going to become like one of the main villains because she's not going to go back down there unless she gets tricked or forced or for some reason goes back down there. And it just brings up that good question because the Helly we know is like the complete opposite of Helena. And part of that is upbringing, for lack of a a better word, because Helena grows up in this weird, like, cult-like family. And Nathan, you would put in the notes, like, she kind of seems like she was coerced or manipulated into Mm -hmm. getting the severance. I don't think that. I think it's just she's just been grown up being fed, like, propaganda, for lack of a better word, about how this stuff is and how the Ennies aren't people and how, like, as an Egan, it's her right or it's her responsibility to do this or that. It's weird because I think, like, for the most part, like, Mark and Dylan and Irving are pretty much the same people on the inside and outside. It's just based on what personal history they're losing or gaining, they're a bit different. But they're pretty much the same person, just with a few tweaks. But Helena is completely different just because her upbringing is so drastic inside the office compared to outside, whereas with the others, it's more mellow. So I, I would say it's more just... They're the same person, just born of different circumstances, which maybe you you can argue they're different people. But to me, it's just it's people are who they are because of circumstance. Well, that told me that they were so different. And I knew there was going to be something big when we never saw her leave work, what she was like outside of work. I knew it was building towards something big. We saw her leave work once in the first episode. Right. But other than that, it's like, yeah, she's only in the office. What it tells me is that this is a young woman that uh, had been coerced and had had talked herself into doing that to get the approval of her father. In real life, when she's cut loose of that, she did not want to do that, and she did not have those values. So I we'll see how they do in season two there, but I felt like when you take that away, uh, Heli, uh, Helena was Heli, and she needed answers. There were very little answers for them, and for us uh, as an audience in the first few, there were very few answers of what was actually going on. I liked the build. Uh, I was disappointed that it was on such a cliffhanger. I'm, I'm getting kind of spoiled where a lot of shows are kind of full circle, especially on streaming, and you've got just 
these the way they set up a lot of I wanted more. The cliffhanger wasn't my favorite because I, I was hoping that it would be kind of a, a self-sustaining kind of first season and then they would have to get creative with what they did in the next. But uh, you guys can tell me what you think about that. Yes. I, yes. So one of the things that Ben Stiller has talked about and I, I read in some different articles is that, that the idea that eventually in these characters, their subconscious starts bleeding through. So like your, your id, your ego, your subconscious, all of those things are that make you up are the same, I think, in your severed self. It's just your memories are gone. And so you're you're kind of you become a different person that way. But those other things can bleed through. And I don't know how much I picked up on that while I was watching it. But um, I'm definitely going to look for that more in the future episodes, because that was something that they were kind of playing with, with some of the different characters. And so to me, Heli is, of course, like not the evil person she is, you know, on the outside. I do think that outside person, if put in the situation that Heli was in, would try to escape, you know, has that like fight in her, that kind of subconscious mm-hmm. will to yeah. get out from under the, the thumb of a captor or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree that Heli is, I think, a, an interesting nature versus nurture topic how work brings work can bring out who we really are or it can make us suppress who we really are and project something different uh your original question was what was something that made us laugh in the show and i keep thinking rickon and his quotes were which yes i want to do a separate episode of how amazing that stupid book was (laughs) can we just do an episode on the book yeah i think we should Here's why that hit home with me is because education is full of like those self-absorbed, self-help consultant guru types. Oh, yeah. To to see them satirized like that was hilarious. Uh, my favorite line of his, it's the most I laughed in the whole season, but it's in his book and he's talking about how he was a failed writer. But it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't him that had failed. It was literature itself. <laughs> yes, that's so great. Oh, wait, can I read that quote? Yeah, yeah sure. What ahead. is it to fail? What is it to fail? My failure to break into the literary world in my 20s was devastating, yet it taught me a valuable lesson. That it was not me who was wrong, but literature itself. And that to truly find my place in the world, I would first need to break it entirely. And so I did. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. So it's stuff uh, like well, what's that. interesting is it was absolutely seminal to people that he really didn't think about existing, people that were kind yeah. of captive in that way. So that's what I that's what I thought Landon was the kind of genius of it, because it, it is a bunch of like narcissistic fluff, except that it really freed and um, empowered, you know, especially Mark and Dylan. Yeah, this was hilarious to me, and it really reminded me of something like an M. Night Shyamalan movie, right? You, you get this like piece of information in the movie that is like, doesn't mean much. You don't think of it. And then at the end, it's like the important thing that, that wouldn't have helped anyone else except for this very specific character in this very specific situation. And it happens to be like the thing that resolves the movie or whatever. Uh, he had a couple of movies like that. And, I, and that's kind of what I thought of. I don't know. Maybe I'm off on that. But sitting there and him in the bathroom reading the quotes and it's in Rickon's voice like he's talking to him. I was just la- I just was laughing out loud during that whole scene. I think that was my favorite part of the season. But Ron, you bring up a good point there, though. And, and I think this whole thing about Rickon brings up 
a discussion about like our biases and what we bring to how we interact with people. Because when Mark is divorced of his knowledge of who Rickon is, he's totally receptive to that book. And then when he's, you know, listening to him read it in his home, he's just rolling his eyes and, you know, wanting to get the heck yeah. out of there. So it, it, I think it's, it's really interesting how it reveals how we feel about people and the advice that they can give us. It affects how receptive we are. We yeah. are biased. Speaking of that dumb book, my, the best humor scene overall would probably be Dylan and Irving, their little banter about the muscle shows and what they how, what their Audis are like in their muscles. But really just anything with those two because I think they, they have the best chemistry. Dylan is really well-written character and Irving is dry but he'll bite back and they'll just have these back and forth and it feels like an office relationship that's been going on for a couple years where it's so natural and it's so funny and Irving will get legitimately mad at Dylan sometimes for mm-hmm. being aloof but at the end of the day they'll still stick together and just the way they bounce off each other and they always get into these weird situations because it's Mark and Helly are generally the ones going off on their little adventures whether it be Helling escaping or them exploring. And then Dylan is either the one left behind or he's stuck with Irving or he's trying to talk Irving out of hanging out with the O&D people because he thinks they're bad news. Dylan is probably a lot of people's favorite, which makes a lot of sense. He's set up to be the favorite because in a cast pretty much of all straight men for the most part, mm-hmm. in terms of like seriousness, he's the one smart funny guy. And he does get some humanizing moments later on their little dynamic just so easy to see like yeah these guys could have been working together for years and there's just so much banter we want to see in the future i i love dylan he was my favorite i i love that like there's so much control they put on all of the um the workers right but they let dylan be dylan because he performs and and you see that in corporate life he's never insubordinate right he's always working hard he's doing that but he says he's out he's off the cuff he's irreverent uh, even to management and it's never a problem and i just love that like he wears those dad glasses and he has like no nose like and i i think <laughs> I didn't know if that was on purpose until at the very end of the last episode. Of course, they're slipping off as a face, right? And they just love to point that out. He just has the look and he's just so funny, braggy, and just like over the top. And and you're right. I think it's an, an undersold thing is like his dynamic with John Turturro's character. Yeah, yeah. I really like what you said about him being a really great performer because the whole time, I mean, it, it's true. Like really good performers can get by with stuff, but... What are they even doing? I mean, I just assumed the whole yeah, time that it was But he takes it work. very seriously, and he's got the yeah. finger traps to show for it. I know, and yeah. So, just, so, like, he yeah. goes into that world, but he's so reverent in the same way. And he hates the other department. Like, and yeah. it's just like, you don't know why. <laughs> no, I just love that they have all of these, like, legends and stories and myths and stuff that they've heard about yeah. the other departments and every, all the inter-department rivalries and murders and weird things going yeah. on. And everyone has their own conspiracy theory. I just think it's hilarious. That- it makes the whole thing kind of dystopian <laughs> And it's yeah. really funny. There are some other things that contribute to that as well. And I really like that. Uh, let's talk about the acting performances. Shows get whoever they want now when they have enough money and people are willing to be in TV shows. I would consider John Turturro and Christopher Walken two of, I mean, absolutely legendary character actors. It's just interesting to see them playing these smaller, you think of them in film. Man, they're so good. So this show benefits so greatly from that. And to me, I think the best performance, and I want to hear y'all's, best performance to me is Patricia Arquette. 
shit. Because she's over the top. She has to be mean. But you see that she has this pressure, right? This is her whole life. And I've seen her like, if you've never seen Boyhood, that is a great film. She is, she's the icing on the cake for this. She is so scary. I mean, legitimately terrifying. And we all know somebody that's kind of crossed that line. And this is their whole reality. I don't know what they would do. She would kill for this. She would do anything for this. She is dangerous. And she comes across so well. That's not an easy role. She was my favorite. We'll start with you, Jake, and then Landon, and then Rylan. What's your favorite performance in Severance? I think for me, Adam Scott was really good. Mm -hmm. Only because I'm pretty familiar with him strictly as a comedic actor. I hadn't seen much dramatic stuff from him so yeah, I've, I've told you before he reminds me of you and he's in a show i didn't love called big little lies and he is more of the straight man he's got that but yeah he, he i think you guys have similar sensibilities i always thought you would like him and it'd be a lot of pressure for a guy like that to carry the show and he has to at times and i think he's just outstanding in it yeah my wife and i are huge parks and recs fan and mm-hmm. ben wyatt is like my spirit tv character and so yeah. it, it was it's hard for me to see him other than that but he did i think a really good job in this show and it was uh, that's probably to his credit because he knows he's known for that and so he brought yeah. some really good dramatic chops to this to kind of Jake when they tell him to have compassionate eyes when she comes up the elevator <laughs> after she attempted suicide and he does that weird thing is like that's you know this is a comedy it's very dark but it's a comedy he delivers on all fronts and he and he had to right because he's even the straight man in Parks and Rec but nothing about that show is is totally straight he had to live in both worlds and he did but the with the with the eyes and everything that was so funny i would say it would be toretto for his performance of irving because obviously he's an amazing actor but playing a character who is really the fourth lead in their group because mark is the pov character he's the one we see probably over 50 percent of the show's runtime he's on there heli is the outsider that sets everything in motion dylan is the comic relief and rebel who really brines up the show but irving is the believer character he's the in a show that's mostly straight men with some dry humor, like he's the straightest of the straight men. And I just realized I made a, a funny pun because he's gay in it. But he's the straightest of the straight men. It's just like he's the fourth guy in terms of just like screen time and his his just his character arc and what he gets to do. But he's just that right little sprinkle of you can tell how the core four of MDR is slowly finding their independence and realizing that they don't have that the only reason they're being treated this way is because they're letting their management treat them this way. That end of the day, like the only power management has is the one that they've made them think they do. Because just seeing I'm always a sucker for when the believer character slowly has their face shattered and then when they finally realize the truth and want to rebel. And like I said earlier, just when Irving sees that Bert's retiring and for so long, like he's the guy that's religiously quoting the books and knows every single detail and is getting on all the other guys for all his co-workers for even having a little bit of fun. Just seeing him like slowly just snap without even saying a word because they're showing all of Bert's retirement, I want to say. Or it's right before it. And you just see him, just his face slowly realizing what's going on. Then he just snaps and calls Milrich uh, a smug mother If it were from Dylan, it wouldn't have nearly the same impact. Because like Dylan obviously attacks Milrich and bites him. But it's like you would expect Dylan to be that abrasive and rebellious but like you would never expect Irving to do more than like a very polite suggestion of something else like he's the guy that's like always following procedure like he's like he's the teacher's pet like he follows all the rules exactly he does everything the right way he's a goody two-shoes 
just seeing him slowly, like, just find his inner self and his inner strength to stand up for himself. Just And so much of it wasn't even through dialogue. It's just you could see just his face slowly change and just all these little details and facial twitches. And it looks so similar, like, when you, at the start of the season, at the end, like, he, his face looks so similar, but just his eyes, you can tell, like, it, it's just a totally different man behind them. So for me, it's Irving. Irving's conspiracy that they are editing swear words from movies made me die laughing. I, oh, yeah, that was, that was another great <laughs> comedy moment when Dylan creates that post-apocalypse thing about how they're deleting the eels from the ocean. Oh, man, that was so funny. I, which I think there is some truth to... The world of Severance not being... It's not like our world just with Lumen exists and Severance exists. Like, I think there's more to it because like they live in a company town like from the Gilded Age where it's like the company controls everything. They own all the land. Like They house their workers. They control the workers' lives. Maybe it's just like just a bit of a detail with the fiction. Like, oh, this would happen in the modern United States. But it's like there's more to that. I want to say it's like in Maine. City of Kier is set in Maine. So I want to say in future seasons, we are going to see that... Just as a bit of payoff, Dylan's conspiracy about the world being messed up is going to be partially true. It does make me worry or wonder about that a little bit because do you guys think there's anything to that? They're all driving like 80s cars, but they all have like modern like phone technology. I want they the, the, they the, 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 might do yeah. that just just for the kind of the the, the vibe, Aesthetic. the vibe of it, and it's cool. But, but it's, it's also not, it makes you wonder if they are in like a true dystopian yeah. type environment. But it's not even modern phones because it, it's like those mid 2000s flip phones. Like they don't have smartphones it's like they have those flip phones like it's that weird dichotomy because they've obviously got like the technology to do severance they have like the code readers they ha- i mean like they have the code readers that can read a message like inside your body somehow which so i read that the aesthetic that they've chosen is is very deliberate i think they okay. come up with some of these ideas that are quirky like you guys are talking about both inside the office and outside but there are reasons for all of them they wanted to make sure every aesthetic yeah. choice that they chose that they thought was really cool you know looking and, and they loved the it way created that it a vibed. really important optic for how yeah. what they were trying to pull off with the series and it made it even when there were a slow build made it really interesting because the whole the whole vibe was good right i want you to get back yeah. to your favorite performance yeah sure but they have said that all has a reason which i'm really excited about because i really want to know what that reason is that's the great thing about yeah sci-fi. lost said they would explain the polar bear too but they never did <laughs> i wonder that there's a lot of <laughs> things Don't say, I so answer. that was going to be like my next point was that you know when you when you have a show this good that builds up, if it goes too many seasons, it inevitably does not live up to yeah. the promise that it gave you at the beginning of this, like, you know, especially when it's sci-fi related. So I hope that right. they don't stretch it out that far so that it doesn't I really hope pay off too. in the end. I think it will, though. I mean, I, I you know, Ben Stiller is really excited about it. I'm excited just reading about him being excited. So, OK, so answer your question about about the cast in a show like this for me that is so well cast and so well written and directed it is so hard to pick someone that i think is like the best the ensemble is great and so i you know i'm just gonna mention a couple that i thought were standout but but honestly like it all just works so organically they have such great chemistry that it's i I can't say that any of these were like my favorites i just i I just wanted to point out some that we haven't mentioned yet um and tramel tillman as milchick has a tough job uh i think he's outstanding acting wise and he is great he's just great and then Britt lauer as heli i think also is another one of those characters that has a lot of different emotions and personalities almost that she has to play as her this is going to sound like a joke but her pulling off what she had to as an actor with that haircut 
that Haley has. <laughs> and I'm being serious. Like that's it's like wearing a prosthetic. Yes. Um I love her in a show that nobody else watched with me called Man Seeking Woman that was on FX. She is so talented and I was so excited when she was the female lead on this. Yeah. I mean those are my two. So I, I you know, take it for what it is though. Uh, I think everyone on the show is fantastic. I agree totally with you guys on your picks too. You know, I don't want to leave anybody out. And there's people in the show I didn't even realize, like, I guess it's been a while, but, like, Gwendolyn Christie is in this. I don't remember what she did. Uh, Aaliyah Shawkat, who played maybe in Arrested Development. I don't really remember. I don't remember her in it. Maybe this is next season, guys. I may be spoiling yeah, things. Yeah, maybe. Because, uh, it looks like they're coming on board, at least. So I like the balance we got that to look forward to. legendary people that they could get and people I'd never seen and stuff. And there, it is a diverse cast. And I just really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, 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 I did too. Landon's comments on Irving got me thinking about him as a character. And I think maybe Ryland, you're going to touch on this a little bit later, but the aspect of religion in this show and yeah, how no, Irving, you go for it. Irving, Irving's the character who has like a chapter verse citation for like everything they run into the show. Anytime someone like Mark or Helly says we should do this. You know, he's got like a quote from Kier scriptures or whatever. But then there's that moment where Christopher Walken is retiring. He doesn't know what to do with those feelings that he has. Right. I thought he that doesn't was understand just... why everybody else doesn't understand what's happening. Yeah, and and it's like he doesn't have his he doesn't have his chapter vote verse like quote to help him deal with that moment. Does that make sense? It's and, uh, yeah. I think it's an allegory to legalism and how faith ha- is really kind of the healing part, comforting part of uh, of that not knowledge and not following the rules right yeah and it, and it presents a really difficult question of when does when does faith not have an answer for us when we're not relying on faith when we're trying to earn something i think it would be the allegory there well i think of i think of like job in scripture who demands all these things of god and never gets the answer that he wants he gets an answer but he doesn't get the answer that he wants what do you do with a faith that doesn't you know, you brought up you brought up how in America we're taught to like work as a nobility, right? Well, that comes from our religious heritage, the Protestant work ethic that that God blesses people who work hard, right? What do you do with a faith or with your faith when it doesn't address how you feel or what you're doing? Because Irving is that guy who's checked all those boxes. Now he's at this point where his faith is not addressing what he needs it to address. I thought that was just an interesting commentary on people's relationship with faith and Landon's yeah. comments made me think about that. I want to I want to ask that in a different way. What do you do when you use the scriptures of your faith as just like a user's manual and you don't you don't really have the spirit of it and then it, when you're in a moment of grief or when you're in one of those, you know, emergency moments, they fail you because you've just been using them as a user's manual the whole time. I don't necessarily think that uh, Irving could have used what is literally a user's manual <laughs> for anything but that. Um, but it does show that you can't put your your faith, you know, that that doesn't help you when you're just using it as a set of rules. He does have a true passion for the company culture, though, and he just loves the art related to it. So I think there's something there. They sort of, out of nowhere, give him more time at the end of the season. Of course, Totoro is so amazing. But I really like the idea is, like, you can say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to separate it. And that's the idea. We're going to have separate lives. Mm -hmm. But what does he do? He goes home and he paints the hallway that he's had to go to when he goes, when he's being punished, right? Like, it bleeds through and we can't cannot separate like parts of our lives yeah well i've I've seen some different theories on why that is and i'm i don't know if i want to talk about them or not 
on this. Cause like, I've seen some people say like, just cause like they've like, he has the veteran stuff. Like he's obviously ex military, like on the outside, like he, and he's tracking down like all the severed people. So on the outside, it's just like with Helene, how her Audi is, is the complete opposite of who she is on the inside. The, the Audi Irving is, looks like he's being set up as almost a militant anti Lumen guy. Cause he's got all the addresses of all the severed people. He's got all these documents and information on people who've gotten hurt and died in the initial experiments and he's obviously him painting the special hallway i don't know what it's called i think cobell calls it like the testing floor with like the red arrow because it's different than the regular one like that one i mean it's obviously it's being set up for season two like it's gonna they're gonna talk about more like his past within lumen but just just setting up that dichotomy of on the inside due to manipulation and severance like he's this Total believer on the outside, I do think I do believe these series that he's gonna be set up as this feverant anti-loom and anti-severance person. Because I mean it's more than just an interest or wanting just to find out more justice like with Mark, because Mark is like my best friend showed up and he I think he's for real. And I'm kinda interested, I'm just kinda winging it. I mean, Irving has like everything you could possibly have and he's researching everything and he's clearly he's obsessed with what's going on in that office building beyond just it haunting his memories going back to the cliffhanger for a quick minute since nathan brought it up that was my biggest issue with the whole show and it kept it from being great for me i would say season one was really good i can't call it great because the season finale i would say is my favorite episode because it does such an amazing job of building that tension and just i know just dread building up because you don't know if they're actually going to succeed or not and i get why they ended it where they did but you can have a dramatic satisfying season finale that answers some questions while opening up new ones they pretty much just kick the can down the road and set it all up for season two that's good for them because it's the most avenues going forward but it's unsatisfying as a viewer because you're getting the rug pulled out from under you and especially because it's not like oh this is like part one of two or it's the pre-finale this is it they got shut off we don't know what happens next in all this all this fallout we'll have to wait eight months yeah we'll have to wait two years or whatever when the show is done (laughs) and that's my main thing is just and you guys brought up lost and how sometimes these shows it's so much easier because i've dabbled in some writing it's so much easier to ask interesting questions and create interesting details than it is to tie it all together and to satisfyingly answer them like lost is a great example the mystery box approach of here's all this weird stuff and all these interesting world and all these character arcs and we're all going to put all these hints on how they can all tie together but the thing is unless you've planned it out and you know how it's all going to go which from what it sounds like i'm it looks like they're trending that way unless that's the case it look it feels good in the moment because as a viewer you're always just every little detail that gets revealed to you that reveals a bit more of the world feels really good because it's like it's a little reward it's like oh now i know more about the world when they show the the testing floor elevator mm-hmm. and just what the implications of what that means and how it ties into irving's nightmares it's like ooh, that's really interesting and cool and it, it makes the show better but in retrospect when we're watching through and we know how it all ends up that is my one fear is if they've been off more they can chew and if some of the hype and intrigue is more the unknown that will never be some of the hype is the unknown that will never be properly paid off yeah i do want to say one thing i think that they gave us at least at that in that finale some hope for mark's character which oh, i really for sure. appreciated 
And so I thought that was really good. You know, you get to see Miss Casey, who has been the one who's uh, simultaneously like giving that. We haven't talked about this yet, but the weird like you must enjoy each of these compliments equally. You can't enjoy one I, over the other <laughs> scene. She was then, such an interesting character oh, and man, had such yeah. sadness and mystery. And it was so yeah. great that that's his wife. And that was, uh, yeah. I don't know, because they did such a great job of making her stand out in some way. And when she finally gets to talk and says, those eight hours were the best hours of my life, you knew then that to me. Yeah. That's his wife. <laughs> That's yep. his dead wife. So just finding that out, and then I'm going to hold judgment until the second season or the end of the show, however long it takes, to find out what they what, what this world is all about to, to really say. But I, I don't mind that it ended on a cliffhanger. I do hate the amount of time between seasons. I mean, I just want to know, and I don't want it to like drop off my radar and, and miss it. I don't think this one will, but that has happened before to me. You know, I, I'm really excited. From what I've read, they do have an ending in sight i mean they have reasons for everything that they're doing and i hope that is true because i i want it to be like i said you know i want it to be a good ending and not something where that where landon i think you you said it really well you know it's really easy to set up all these interesting um ideas and and neat aesthetics and then they it goes nowhere and i I really hope that I, I don't think it will be, but I really hope that that's not the case for this. Yeah, yeah. The good news is, like we've said several times, there does seem to be more of a vision than in past seasons. Maybe because I mean, to get your show renewed for several seasons on Apple TV, which isn't the biggest streamer, like you have to sell them. Like, how many shows have we seen Netflix just cancel, even though they're really good? Like Apple TV, I know like Severance and Succession is good, but after that, it's like all the shows and all the trailers you see for Apple TV is like, who really wants to watch that? Or that just looks very very like a direct to TV kind of series that doesn't look that good. Like Severance, Severance and Succession are their big hitters. That's the one Apple TV brand is going to be based off of. Because I mean, Severance was clearly a hit. And another thing is, since it's so down to earth and so simple, it's not going to take as long to get future seasons and future content because there's very minimal CGI. The sets, at least for the first season, are really basic. It's just an office space, hallways, and a couple of houses. So it's not like they're having to fly to these exact locations to shoot. They're not having to do all the CGI. So, I mean, I said two years, but I mean, it's probably going to be less because they're shooting season two right now. Just looking at season one, I mean, I've never worked in the industry, so I don't know what's how long it takes to shoot a TV show, but it's like, I mean, they're not doing that much. It's really just like the actors are in a room acting. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, obviously that, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Money on, right? They're spending yeah. their money on the actors. Yeah, on the fine cast that they have, right? <laughs> Obviously, great. that's a lot easier said than done. Like, oh, just get the actors to act right and it'll all be good. But it, there's very little extra to do. And just with how well acted the first season is, like if the biggest time constraint is your actors knocking out of the park, I'm not worried. Just for me that it's interesting to see Ben Stiller tackle this sort of work-life balance through his career when thinking about this show and what else he's directed you know and the cable guy he directed the cable guy Jim Carrey can't separate his work life from his ability to make meaningful relationships that's like, a really dark and really underrated movie yeah absolutely uh, it was you know it's interesting to th- to see that movie now in the light of Ben Stiller being so involved and passionate about this project and in like Tropic Thunder you've got these actors who are who struggle to to understand like reality and make-believe and are put in these circumstances where they're pursuing authenticity by pretending this it's just a neat aspect to his career to see those themes carried out over gosh 20 some odd years now and i'm glad that 
Ben Stiller is rightfully getting uh, the accolades for doing such a good job directing this show. Because it is uniquely and so well directed. It's, it, it, it is because you can't rely on the story. They're not blowing things up and they're not sleeping with each other and doing all these low-hanging fruit things. So he's building by shot selection, the acting, and because it is... It's slow, but it's so interesting to be in that world, and uh, you gotta you gotta credit the director for that. So I'm, I mean, I know he's a name. I think he's gonna have a different credibility after this because this is really fine work by him. And I, I really, I didn't really connect those other two movies, which I think uh, *Traffic Thunder* is one of the more underrated movies of the last two decades. Hmm. Uh, and people that watch it know that it's terrific. I never really didn't make that link, but it's so very true. He likes that juxtaposition people find themselves in, right? I wanted to discuss just very shortly about the like I, I said this before what in the world are they doing down there the work yeah i i would love to hear y'all's predictions that not not necessarily where i want to go with this conversation um i love how their work seems completely meaningless and they have and and not just to us but to, they have no idea what they're doing like like they all have these different theories right well, and, don't you think the allegory is there are people that go through that now like yes. i know the, the dinner party we had last time they were saying we don't exactly know what we do, how it affects people, or what we're doing, and and I think a lot of times you have to look about the the ethics of what you're doing. It's like, oh, so we're employing how many people in Malaysia? How old are they? How much money yeah, do they make? I'm being serious. Like, so you work for a big corporation. Right. So I think it's like, and then they go. I love like, is the audience as interested as Helly and Mark? And Dylan were interested in the goats. I mean, they were totally taken aback by the goats. So I think <laughs> as interested and as secretive as management is, it has to be something that's negative for the environment or, you know, or, or negative people to people in particular. It's yeah. got to be bad, right? Yeah, but I'm, I mean, the, my whole point here is that, like, we laugh at that and think it's ridiculous about, like, what, whatever it is that they're doing. But at the same time, like, how many of us have a job where we're a cog in a machine and we kind of have a vague idea of, what our work supports but we don't really see the big picture and we don't know where it goes after it leaves our desk or whatever and um you know i i think you know jacob probably has a little bit different viewpoint on this one because he's a teacher and he can see the how he changes kids lives and stuff but for people that are like government contractors or people that are working for you know verizon or or some huge company that has you know a million different offices and you're you've got a very specific job that relates to three other people's jobs and they're all interconnected it's like you might as well be looking for scary numbers right <laughs> i thought that was interesting and i thought it was a good uh, commentary on big business on and the they don't want you to ask do. any questions and they think you just getting some perks should be enough right yeah and at the end of the day they give you these crappy you know they're not koozies but at but, you know, are they really much better? You get some swag or whatever, and you feel like you did a really good job at work today. And it's like, what did what did I really do? Now, I have to say, for me personally, since I did talk about this earlier, I do have people I work with that have listened to this. <laughs> I enjoy my job. Uh, I know what it is that I do in my job. And I'm not talking about myself per se. Um, although there are times when I'm like, why am I doing this thing right now? And what is this helping? But that's just my disclaimer. And they bring out the waffle cart topic. and you forget what you were wondering about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why they do that. Yeah. I do like that kind of meta commentary about 
you know, how many people are doing this exact same thing? We're looking at this and thinking it's ridiculous. But if I don't get a rotating picture cube of your face for Christmas, <laughs> I'm not going to be super happy about it. <laughs> oh, man. This has been great. This has been a great discussion. Yeah, it's really guys. fun. Thanks. This is podcasts were meant for stuff like Severance because it's so complex and weird and interesting and fun. We could talk about Petey and we could talk about lots of other things. And obviously, we could read quotes from that book and just laugh our heads off. <laughs> Well, that's it for another Film Z. Severance is, wow, just a really fun show. As you guys said, it will be interesting to see season two, which I will call season one part two, because they kind of like 20 years ago network TV'd us, and just um, like you guys said, they just they just left us hanging big time. But a lot to look forward to. We'll see this, I'm sure, later on this year or this summer, because um, like Landon said, I mean, it's not like they have an animatronic animal they have to figure out or big explosions. They just got to figure out when they can get Christopher Walken back in that weird room, and I cannot wait for that. It's so fun. We've got an almost 80-year-old Christopher Walken just really being as good as ever in a small row. Oh, we could keep talking about this. So glad you joined us on Film Z for Severance. Uh, we'll be back with you soon. I really want to thank Jacob, Landon, of course, my co-host for Island for being with us. Uh, we'll be with you soon. Thanks, everybody.